listening to Van Ferndafi Legal News here on Waterberg Studio. The program is sponsored by the and de Villiers Brokers in Rustenburg. Does the Foodstuffs Clause always protect the seller of a house? The clause that stipulates that the property is sold as is. What is the effect thereof? When does it protect the seller against claims by the purchaser? That's the first topic that we will be discussing in this program. And then secondly, I will be asking Ismarie McCallaghan to explain to us what the decision was in a recent court case dealing with exclusivity agreements between schools and uniform suppliers. Are those agreements legal or not? So uh, all parents, all school, government bodies, uh, please uh, stay tuned for some very important advice in this regard. My name is Volker Kruger from Van Ferden Duffy Attorneys. Does the Foodstuhl's clause always protect the seller against claims by the purchaser based on latent defects? Answer is no, and I will explain to you why I say this, with reference, amongst others, to a recent court case dealing with this question. Now, Foodstuhl's clause is a term in the agreement which stipulates that the purchaser takes the property from the seller as it is. In other words, the purchaser accepts the property with all the defects that there might be in the property, including any latent defects. Latent defects are defects which are not visible through a normal inspection of the house, such as, for example, a leaking roof, or such as cracks in the wall, which might not be visible because they are hidden behind paintings such as the problem with the foundation of the house, or maybe a swimming pool, which uh, has cracks and is leaking water, etc. So those are all um, latent defects. And as a general rule, if there's a footsteps clause, then the purchaser cannot claim damages from the seller because of those latent defects. However, there is an exception, at least one exception, uh, to this rule, and this is where the seller was aware of the defect and fraudulently hid the defect from the purchaser or basically caused a fraudulent mis misrepresentation to the purchaser about the relevant latent defects. Now, there are several court cases which have already confirmed this principle, but there's a recent decision which I would like to refer you to namely the one of Leroux against Zitzmann, where the court also had to deal with the question as to whether the footstool's clause was, in that case, enforceable by the seller or not. So the facts of this case were more or less the following. The seller had been the owner of the relevant property for about six years. When the negotiations regarding the contract of sale were um, happening between the seller and the purchaser, the seller actually pointed out to, to the purchaser that there's a leaking uh, roof in room number seven. And the purchaser was therefore aware of that. And uh, he was happy with that, with the purchase price, with everything else. And the contract of sale was signed. The property was transferred. The purchaser moved in, and uh, then the rains came. 
And uh, it was not just room number seven's um, roof that was leaking, but all the rooms of the relevant building on the property were actually leaking and uh, caused damages to the furniture in the room. So the purchaser sued the seller for damages because of that latent defect. And the seller, of course, raised the footstool's clause that was contained in the agreement as a defense. By the way, I would say about 90, 95% of contracts of sale of land or of houses actually have the footstool's clause as a standard term in the agreement. So this agreement uh, in this court case also had such as footstool's clause contained in the document. So the purchaser then got a report from uh, an engineer as an expert about the roof. And the evidence before the court was that this expert was of the opinion that the problem with the roof must have existed for a lengthy period of time and that the problem with the roof could not have um, happened after the contract was signed in the couple of months from that time period until the rains came. So the conclusion of the expert was that probably for a couple of years, there was already a problem with the roof and that the seller must have been aware of that problem and the leaking uh, roofs uh, in respect of all the uh, uh, rooms as such. The seller denied this and um, said that he was not aware of the leaking roof, except for room number seven, which he, uh, of course, pointed out to the purchaser. The court then on the facts had to decide who to believe, and the court concluded that the seller is not telling the truth. The court concluded based on the engineer's expert report that the seller was indeed aware of the defect and his explanation and the cross-examination uh, in that respect doesn't, uh, didn't make sense. So on the facts, the uh, purchaser managed to prove that the seller was aware of the latent defect. He uh, was guilty of a misrepresentation because he only pointed out the problem in respect of uh, room seven, and the purchaser consequently was successful with his action against the seller and was actually awarded damages for the repair work and also for loss of income that he suffered because of the damage caused by the leaking roof. So the message, I think, is that the food search clause does not always protect the seller. It depends on the circumstance. If the purchaser can prove, which is sometimes not that easy to do, but if the purchaser can, through expert evidence or otherwise, prove that the seller was aware of the defect and that the purchaser was somehow misled into believing that there are no latent defects or that the specific latent defects do not exist, then the purchaser can still successfully claim from the seller for the damages. Maybe just a final point, another exception to the rule that the footstool's clause protects the seller against claims based on latent defects is, of course, the Consumer Protection Act. In terms of the act, where the seller is selling the property as part of his business, such as uh, someone who speculates on property on a regular basis or 
such as, for example, a developer who's selling the house as such, then because of the Consumer Protection Act, that footsteps clause would actually also not be enforceable by the seller. My name is Falker Kruger. I'm uh, joined by one of our regular guests, uh, Esmeri McCallaghan from, uh, from Feld and Duffy. Uh, and yeah, I think all parents of school children, all schools, governing bodies, uh, school uh, staff members, etc., et should listen uh, to this interesting uh, decision. Uh, Esmeri, do you agree? Yes, for sure. I think this could be uh, good news for a lot of parents. Um, yeah, so please explain. Yes, so a few years ago, the Competition Commission received a lot of complaints from parents that have to buy school uniforms at excessively high prices at only one specific supplier. And the complaint was against a specific supplier in the Gauteng area. And the Commission investigated all of these complaints and ultimately, I think during the end of last year, reached an agreement with this specific supplier. And then the Competition Tribunal made that agreement an order. Now, the good news for parents is the effect of that agreement that's been made an order is that schools are no longer entitled to enter into exclusivity agreements with uh, school uniform suppliers, but actually any supplier of school material. What an exclusivity agreement means, it's an agreement between two parties which dictates that a particular product can only be sold by that one supplier. So this closes the door uh, for con consumers to shop around for competitive prices and it also closes the door to any new supplier that can enter into the market. Now competition in the market is very important Firstly, as I mentioned, for consumers to shop around for the best prices, but then also for the growth of the economy as a whole, because if new suppliers can enter the market, then there's more job opportunities for people. And exclusivity agreements prevents all of this. So the order indicated that, as I mentioned, schools can no longer enter into any exclusivity agreements. It also uh, provides that schools can no longer enter into evergreen agreements with suppliers. That means that the, there is no end to the contract term. So it now dictates that your contract term cannot be longer than five years. And if there's an existing evergreen contract, it needs to be amended. Um, to be only for five more years from date of signature of the amendment. And any agreement that lapses with the supplier thereafter, the schools must follow a competitive bidding process to appoint new suppliers. You can appoint the same supplier again, provided that was truly the best price. Uh, you have to go through a competitive uh, bidding process, a tender process to appoint new suppliers every five years or whenever the contract ends then um, if the period was for less than five years. So that creates the opportunities again for new suppliers to be appointed and for competition in the market. The Competition Commission, together with the Department of Education, also issued guidelines to schools um, which states how the tender process must be followed. It also asked of schools to make their uniforms as general as possible or generic as possible um, to um, ensure that parents can buy those uniforms from any supplier. For example, if you have just a plain white shirt, like a lot of schools have, you can buy that from Edgar's, Jet Pep, 
everywhere. It's not just at specific school uniform supplier shops that you can buy it. Um, so those are some of the guidelines that schools will have to follow. The Competition Commission is going to in, um, ensure that schools in the entire country comply with this order and these new guidelines. And if there's any um, school that doesn't comply or supplier that doesn't comply, um, parents can lodge complaints at the Competition Commission. So I think um, the result of this is that um, some school uniforms can potentially be cheaper in future if there's a bit more competition in the market where there was no comp competition previously. Yeah, important development and from a free market point of view, certainly uh, to be welcomed. And uh, I would say some good work from the Competition Commission. So all schools, all parents, uh, please take note. Yes, it's all. It's not just um, school. The school industry that the Competition Commission have been looking at. They've been looking at all other industries as well. A few years ago, exclusivity agreements um, were found to be invalid in other industries as well. So the Competition Commission is looking at all of these things in different sector sectors. All right. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. That's all we have uh, time for today. Remember, our email address is info at vvd.co.za. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, make sure that you tune in again next week, Wednesday, between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock, and then also on Friday evenings.